ladies and gentlemen, Jamie Mackey's and Arigo Sackey's, welcome to the Thamesman. We're back. Welcome to episode 47 of the newly rebranded Thamesman podcast. With me, as always, nothing that much has changed. There's Andy Roberts. Hello, you right? Yeah, I was just going to say, so we've made some changes to the podcast. Hopefully people have noticed. Hopefully there's a few new listeners. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, basically, um, we started this podcast a long, long time ago when we were talking about England playing various tournaments. And that was where Weldy came from. If you're with us from the very beginning, we did the Europod back in 2004. If only I'd have carried on doing podcasts from then I yeah. might have got somewhere but because <laughs> yeah, that's right the early days of I know podding, well, yeah, yeah that that was our that was our uh, sort of halcyon days when we made the front page of the iTunes thing but oh well I like to think that it's now a more intimate and sort of uh educated crowd we're more selective about our listeners yeah that's right saying. not yeah, that absolutely. mass market nonsense yeah yeah no absolutely but also so we wanted to we wanted to reference the fact that the podcast is mostly about Oxford and Reading so uh, we wanted to uh, rebrand it so we've come up with uh, the Thamesman as you'll see now and if you're on Twitter you'll be able to find both myself and Andy with our own Oxford and Reading branded handles yeah, so that's quite exciting, isn't it? So yeah, so we've got uh, a Thames, Thamesman Yellow and Thamesman Blue. That's right. Our two little uh, Twitter Twitter accounts. One that, that focuses entirely on Oxford United, and the other entirely on Reading FC. But just like the podcast, I'm sure we'll we'll blur the lines. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it's 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 a good way of kind of being able to kind of. Chat to chat to the. Uh, the That's right. The I won't. Well, hopefully, I won't get as abused by <laughs> yeah. the oxygen. But I don't see that stopping. No, no, no. Because I don't think they've stopped following that account. So still I'll still get a fair, yeah. fair bit of jip. Yeah. It's all right. I'll point some royals your way. There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's the major change. Just a little bit of admin to go along with that is that if you're listening on all kinds of other platforms, so uh, I use Pocket Cast myself. Some people use an Apple Podcast. Some people on Stitcher. You'll find that the the podcast should just update. So you should see it change from worldy to the ten. Uh, if you don't you can always send us a tweet and we'll we'll look into it if you're on podbean however you may not be able to continue listening to the thamesman on that i think i might need to run a new uh, link for that to everybody that's on podbean so if you're on podbean don't get worried if you miss a podcast for two weeks it's not just because andy and i have bothered to do one which is it could be i, I mean, mean yeah I mean, <laughs> that could also form. be the case we've got form that's true but just keep an eye out, and if you need to just do a little search on podbean for the thamesman and you should find us so yes. that's all the admin out of the way yep let's talk football let's talk football no let's not talk football let's okay. talk more stats okay yeah let's talk stats you, since since you since you birthed uh the thamesman yellow or thamesman underscore oufc account yeah uh, you, you've been doing some polls yeah, so so I, I just thought I'd try a way to 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 engage with the uh, the the Oxford United fan base, get get some new followers to the uh, to yeah. the Thamesman yeah, Tem, Thamesman underscore OUFC yeah. um, <clears throat> Twitter account. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good opportunity to to talk about some stuff, and I, it's something I, I, that I, we've discussed actually previously in a recent a recent um, podcast, a couple of a couple of episodes ago. We were talking about um, uh, players that Carl Robinson has signed. 
And and I thought, well, actually, you know, yeah. I've been I've been over over the last eighteen months. I think it's fair to say that I mean, you know, in terms of the kind of positive negative balance mm. towards yeah, you've my not kind been of entirely ret- balanced. I yeah, the say. rhetoric towards Carl Robinson has been been broadly on the negative side of things. <laughs> broadly um, negative. Yeah. So, but because because Oxford United are doing extremely well at the moment, I thought, well, do you know what? Let's give him all the credit that he he is due because he is due the, the credit for the for the. I'm not sure this is exactly what you're doing it for. <laughs> I, I I think part of this is to maybe debunk that. <laughs> There's a long game. There's a long game. But in terms of the uh, in terms of the immediate future, yes, a lot okay. of it is yeah, yeah, yeah. let's because because one of the th- criticisms I've I've laid at his, his feet over over the time is is is. Uh, his work in the transfer market hasn't been stellar, right? Yeah. So I thought, well, actually, let's look into that and let's tr- try and find out who people think Carl Robinson's greatest signing okay. has been. So what we've what I've done is I pulled together um, all of the I think it's twenty four players that Carl Robinson has signed in the eighteen months he's been here, both okay. on loan and permanent signings. Equal split, about twelve of each. Okay, funnily enough, yep. um, and and I've done a done a series of Twitter polls in the kind of World Cup styling. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I won't go into a massive amount of detail, but um, I'll, I'll go through. Give us some highlights. Well, I'll, I'll let you know who who went through the uh, into the quarterfinals. Yeah, okay. So uh, actually, all the quarterfinals they 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 drew out quite. So I actually li- li- genuinely did it with bits of paper <laughs> out of a and hat. I put, yeah, did you use an actual hat. I, I didn't. I used my hand and I closed oh, my okay. eyes. Sorry, okay. Fine, um, <clears throat> but yeah. So the quarterfinals are actually all pretty one sided. Because um, quite often when this happens, you always end up with a really kind of nasty yeah. tie early on. But actually, they're all quite one-sided. So first quarter final was Matty Taylor against Ahmed Kashi. Ahmed okay. Kashi, I think he won a lot of fans because he's kind of no nonsense, yep. hard hitting. But he only played half a dozen games last season. So um, goal always, scorers always get picked. Yeah, they don't do. They, they do. Yeah, um, and then the next one was uh, Tariq Fossil against Jamie oh, Hansen. Yes. Jamie Hansen, defensive midfielder, hasn't had the best of times since he's uh, joined Oxford United. Whole bunch of. I a whole bunch of history with Jamie yeah. Hansen that I'm not yeah. going to go into involving Carl Robinson that we've tre- trekked back to yes, our yeah. earlier podcast if you, back, you'll find if you all want of that, um, to do but, with some dodgy post-match uh, yeah, interviews. I basically, think. Yeah. yeah, but um, but but nevertheless, anyway, uh, Jamie Hansen's currently coming back from injury. He hasn't played a whole heck of a lot. So Tariq he's not been great this season either. But Tariq strolls Tariq through, strolls ninety eight percent. Oh of the my there. goodness! Um, and the next one was Jerome Sinclair and Alex Goran. Now Jerome Sinclair played uh, a bunch of games towards the back end of last season. Pretty steady striker, yeah. but we were looking yeah. for somebody to go and score a load of goals. Yeah, whereas really Alex Gorin, I think, has made a big difference. And he's, he? made, he's made an impact, and we'll talk about him a little bit more a bit later on. Then we had Gavin White against Chris Cadden. Now, I'm quite interested with how close this, this vote actually was. Yeah. This was 60-40% in favour of Gavin White. Now, Chris Cadden, don't get me wrong, he's doing a really good job at yeah. the moment. Bit of um, rose-tinted glasses, maybe, for old Gavin White, though, since he's moved on. Well, yeah, um, but I mean, Gavin White, for me, should should be, personally, should be streets ahead of Chris yeah. Cadden. Cadden's a great, he's a great fullback. He gets forward and he's an exciting fullback because he, he gets into space, you know? Sure. He's always looking for that run and he's, he's putting good crosses and stuff. But for me, Gavin White was mercurial last yeah, season. Yeah, makes the difference. Yeah, that type I mean, of player, really, yeah. really, really did. So, um, but so a lot closer than I was expecting. That's not to say that I don't think Chris Cadden deserves votes because he's an excellent footballer. Sure. Just surprised at how close that was. Yeah. Part of me actually thinks a little bit of that is also because because Gavin White's left, you know, and people are a little bit. Um, 
It's always the way. You look back fondly, don't you? Boo! <laughs> oh, 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 no, you think the opposite. No, yeah, the opposite. Oh, yeah, you think yeah, he's getting a bit of jit? So I, th- I think... Are he... Oxford fans that fickle? Yeah, yeah, of course. They're oh. football fans. <laughs> <laughs> All football fans are. I think, basically, because I think if Gavin White was still with I'm us... I'm just happy we've ever had any good players yeah. at all. That's the, way, that's the way I view it. But I think if Gavin White was, was still with us, I think that percentage would be a lot higher. Yeah, that's okay. just my gut feeling. Oh, okay, that's That's my gut feeling. Um, so... Um, but yeah, so so then we go into the uh, the semi-finals. So the semi-finals naturally a, bit, a little bit closer. So Tarek Fossidron against Matty Taylor. Ooh. That's a big yeah, that's, that's a, a big one. game. Now, um I think Matty Taylor's obviously, you know, he came in a bit late um and into the season and also he's been injured. Um goals, uh, though. A, a lot of goals. it. Goals. He's got what five and five yeah, now, I think goals. it is. Is it four and four or five and five? I can't remember now. But anyway, he's, he's, he just he scores he's a the goal goals. scorer, you yeah. know, and he's doing exactly what he was brought in to do. He's great. But Tariq Fossu just fucking makes everything happen. Yeah. Um, and I, I genuinely think one of the two, well, one of the secrets to our kind of our, our success. Um, in the other, in the other, so so, so Tariq went through. So Tariq went yeah, through. Okay. So seventy-eight percent to twenty-two percent. So yeah, strong. it was. And then the other semi-final was Gavin White versus Alex Gorin. Um, yeah. And now this is actually quite a tough one. This was sixty forty, um, and now again the sixty forty, like like the Chris, the the quarterfinal was as well. And now I think part of it was what I was saying before about Gavin White, yeah. but but also actually I think Alex Gorin is very very popular amongst Oxford fans. He hasn't played yeah. a huge amount of games this season, but um, some players just catch the imagination. Don't no, they? well they do, and and uh, I, I also actually think, and this is my cynical hat, is that I also think he's the hipster's choice. <laughs> Um, because he's funky little Spanish midfielder. Well, yeah, because he's kind of defensive midfielder, and he and he kind of doesn't. He goes about his business. Okay, yeah. so he's he's not he's not the mercurial Tariq Fosu. He doesn't grab the the eye. He's not the person yeah, going. Yeah, 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 but what yeah. he does do is he make and he and this is this is me talking him up. Is he is he taught he makes the game tick right? So he he will win the ball back in the field really well. Yeah. Uh, but one thing he he does is. Particularly when we've got a team like like Doncaster did a couple of weeks ago, sitting back behind us, he moves the ball from one side of the pitch to the other really, yeah. really quickly and effortlessly, fluidly, Love and it. he just keeps it moving. Yeah, and makes, he keeps makes it teams move, over. makes teams work against you. And I actually, well, and I confess that I think first few games that I saw him play, I was like a little bit nonplussed as to why people were so excited by him because I hadn't really seen yeah. much from him. So then I actually started watching him a little bit more. And actually, do you know what he does? He works the ball really, really well. He's a defensive mid- midfielder who actually unlocks the midfielders in front yep. of him. Yep. He's, just, you, he's not you, just a yeah. clogger. That's, that's beautiful. Um, but he wins tackles as well. He wins the ball back. So he is actually a very, very, very good footballer. He's not He's not played a huge amount uh, of, of games so far this season. But what the games he has played, he's, he's significantly influenced. So, so he, yeah, a bit of a hipster choice because yeah. he's not a big headlining grabbing um yeah uh, sure. footballer but 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 nevertheless he's very good so he's a, i think he's a he's a really good addition to the side um but gavin white i mean you know gavin white was absolutely excellent yes um yeah so gavin white went through on that so fosu against white in the final Ooh. and what i like about that as well is that that that, that Tariq fosu um is Gavin White's replacement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He basically yeah. is Gavin. He, well, not only is he replacing New Gavin winger, White, same as yeah, the old winger. He's not only yeah, replacing yeah. Gavin White. He's also replacing Marcus Brown and Billy sure, Hecker yeah, and yeah, a whole yeah, bunch yeah. of other players. Um, and I don't, I don't know if you've seen the result. You can see it on my phone. How about, <laughs> what do you reckon? What do you reckon? Well, I'm imagining. Uh, it's hard to say, isn't it? I think I would say that given. Uh, the given the bias 
that you've already mentioned that I can imagine that Fosu is the guy and comes through in the final. He does. So uh, the, yes. the winner of uh, the World Cup of Carl Robinson signings, the greatest Carl Robinson <laughs> signing for Oxford United is Tariq Fosu. Nice. Um, 86%. Oh, strong. 14%. Very strong. Um, and I think I and I think that's right. And I actually <coughs> mentioned this a couple of episodes ago, and I, and I was giving as much credit as I possibly can to Carl Robinson here. But it's no, hard. no, no, I know it's hard. Yeah, it is. But no, but I mean it because I think I think it's an absolutely inspired signing. Yeah. Um. Everybody was pretty down when when Gavin White left, and and we were looking. Ha- what on earth are we? What on earth are we going to do going forward? Now we don't yeah. have that kind of electric person who can make something happen. And when Tariq Fossey joined us, um, uh. A lot of what a lot of Charlton because we joined from Charlton. A lot of Charlton fans were saying, "Yeah, well, if you can get his head straight, yeah, yeah you might get yeah, something yeah. out of him." Um, but he's got his head straight, yeah. And yeah. and, and Carl Robinson yeah. actually mentions it quite a lot in post match interviews, and actually so does Tariq Fosu. And it is clear clear what Carl Robinson is saying is having an effect because he's obviously re- wheeling out words that Carl Robinson said sure. to him about, you know, I've still got to make sure I'm doing this. I've still got to make sure I'm doing that. Yeah, sure. and it's very clear that what he's being told is sinking into his head. And so he's consciously thinking about the learning that he's been given. Yeah. Um, and he is he is everything about about how we play football. And I mentioned this in the last episode, actually, when we were watching the England game, um, is that we've got people like Gorin uh, in, in, in James Henry and uh, Cameron Brannigan who can kind of move the for- ball forward quite quickly and they can move defence into attack quite quickly. But what we have in Tariq Fosu is somebody who picks the ball up anywhere on the pitch and his only thought is towards to run towards goal. And yeah. on his own from a fairly kind of benign situation can suddenly turn us from knocking the ball around in the middle of the park to suddenly being on the attack, like yeah. in the blink of an eye. Um, I think he's got he's got great pace, he's got great vision, his touch is fantastic. Um, and he gets other players involved in the game as well. I think, I think in that, and so that's why I think as much as I love Gavin White, and I think Gavin White m- might well go on to do greater things than Tariq Fosu in football in, in the grand scheme yeah. of things, um, I think Tariq Fosu is definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, Carl Robinson's greatest signing. I think it was a, an inspired piece of work. I think he took a bit of a gamble on him, but it's a gamble that has paid off immensely. So all credit to Carl Robinson and top work from Tariq Fosu. If you disagree, go on to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Well, it's yeah, it's nice to see Carl getting a little bit of love, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. But do you know what? You like, change your fucking June. Well, do you know? I, <laughs> hey, I, I speak it as I see it. I speak it as I see it. And um, do you know what? Look, you know, we're 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 doing really well. Yeah, it's, it's, you, it's working. You, you very gonna... much are. It's funny that there's you know we've had this since since doing the, this this show for for a year and a bit. Whenever one's up, the other's down. Yeah, yeah big it? time. Yeah, that's how it seems time. to go. Uh, and so, while Oxford have been rising up the table, Reading have been staunchly refusing to, uh, to to win any games. I mean, you're having some dramas. There's, there's yeah. more. I mean, it's it's interesting. <laughs> uh, so we discussed it a little bit uh, last time, but obviously everyone will be will be well aware. Reading moved on from from Jose Gomez, who saved them last season, uh, and in a bizarre set of circumstances, ended up not employing a manager, uh, but giving the director of football the job of managing the team till the end of the season. The director of football giving himself the job. Well, I don't know, because I'm not sure... 
that's that's a, that's a much more interesting narrative. It is, it is a more interesting the, narrative. The, 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 the owners got pissed yeah. off and couldn't afford another manager. I mean, that's really what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not in the budget, new manager. Oh, fuck, what about this fella? Yeah, get him in. Um, We're already so, paying him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's either him or the guy that paints the late lines on the pitch. So. It is a pretty sweet deal, basically, for them. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're probably still playing paying Gomez to be fair that's, well, that's how it works true. in football yeah, isn't it, is, it? Yeah. you do a really, you do a shit job and then you still get paid for another six months anyway so but what I wanted to talk about was not anything too specific about that because I think that's been done to death now yeah. Re- just, a, just a note for Gomez again he was on Sky Sports because we were oh, for some reason Sky fucking loves Reading versus QPR as a fixture it's because it's because you're the same club right but, well yeah the kits are the same yeah. maybe they just use the same graphics maybe it's yeah. like easy yeah. for them um, <laughs> But yeah, and oh, just as an aside, I'm very annoyed with Sky, right? Because right. we, uh, Boxing Day, I really like going to the football on Boxing Day, mainly because you can go with like the family and get some friends together, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a jolly on a on a Boxing Day after you've been in the house, you know, for a long time. Get out, get all wrapped up, it's chilly. Watch a bit of football. It's a grand day out, right? Boxing I mean, I, I, I'm going to let you do this bit, but I'm going to talk about. I know why you've I got your own yeah, miserable we'll, reasons for we'll, not getting involved. We'll talk. We'll talk about that at Christmas. <laughs> but go on. Anyway, so you love Boxing Day. I do like a bit of Boxing Day football, and whenever it comes up in the fixture list that we've got a home game, I'm like, oh fuck yeah, brilliant! Because we all like live fairly locally, so off we go down to the football. Um, and we have we got QPR at home on Boxing Day. Great fixture, you know. Mm. Uh, Three p.m. kickoff. Kids can come down, family stand gets full, everybody's in the Santa hats and everything. Boss. Yeah. Except Mm -hmm. Sky, who've got a massive boner for Reading versus QPR, decide to move the fixture to 7.30pm on Boxing Day. Which is just shit for everyone. It's just shit for everyone. Yeah, isn't it dreadful getting all of that money being constantly on Sky? Constant, constantly. You're on Sky today, get, you're Sky no, on Boxing we, Day. We get two games a season, QPR home and QPR away. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. It's it just bollocks. Just, it, There's no it is. need for that. Um, but if people, if, you know, and, and, you know, you fucking pay for Sky Sports. That is true. <laughs> and, for my and you are therefore a part of the problem. Hey, because if people yeah, didn't if people didn't pay for Sky Sports, right? If they didn't yes. pay for Sky Sports, there would not be money in in football for Sky Sports. They would stop putting money into it they would stop changing fixtures because... I don't think that's true though is it well because... I mean it's, 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 it's probably <laughs> Sky, not Scott, real... Sky Sports is just another name of another company well, if, prob- it, if it's not Sky Sports it's someone else it's the well, no, same but deal if you, if you, yeah if you just if you, if you so let's ban, destroy <laughs> no pay per view football take get rid of it absolutely locking football behind a paywall is a terrible thing that would be fantastic and I can you know well, this is a one for another day but you know like international football being locked behind international cricket being locked behind a paywall yeah. it's fucking terrible yeah, it really is. Sports. It's absolutely awful. Especially international is even worse because there's a, there's an argument that you know that league football of all kinds is a product that's created and there's money and investment that goes into creating to creating a product that is then sold. Right, that's the argument. With international football, it's a bit different because and international sports of all kinds because there your your country is representing you effectively on the international stage and there's a certain I think. I think there's a certain right for anybody who wants to support their country to be able to watch their country in that home country without having to pay. I yeah. think that's totally reasonable. Yep. Uh, anyway, so that was a complete aside. 
I've forgotten where I was going. Um, anyway, we were slagging off Sky Sports. Oh yeah, shit, um, that's a good thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. No, you were talking about bo- so Boxing Day. Your fi- Boxing Day fixture has been moved. Yeah, so that's fact. Anyway, I don't know how I got onto that, but the reason. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just an interesting aside that I was annoyed about, so I thought I'd mention it. Um, no, we were talking about how uh, yes, yeah, so we played QPR just the other day, um, and what's happened since we changed manager is that the entire on-pitch philosophy, persona, style of the team has changed overnight, instantly. It's very weird. In, in a good way? I, I'm still not sure. It's okay. very weird because basically, you know, you had a manager who came in and had a philosophy, had a very specific philosophy and was taking a bunch of players that had probably not played that style before, certainly not played it at that level mm. before, uh, and was pushing them to play that style. Yeah. And for a while it was it was working and they were getting better and you could see improvements and so on. But then you reach a point where that doesn't work or, or it's not that it doesn't work, but the match is, you know, you don't get the points. Mm-hmm. And it starts to look pretty bad and, and then off you go. So wallop. And they which, which, in, just to interject very quickly, yeah. that's what Oxygen United supporters will know as the Pep Clotet effect. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's very similar. Yeah. And when you when you when you're in that position, obviously the sort of knee jerk reaction is right. We need to do whatever is the opposite of what was happening before yeah, yeah. to correct all these things. And so we're now playing what I would call championship football, uh, which is basically whatever it takes to win a match in those circumstances, right? right? Okay. But it's really funny because we all you, we had the perception that. We just didn't have players that were, you know, up for it enough, or fit enough, or strong enough, or willing enough to get involved in a fight. Yeah, which is what it often takes to to win a game yeah, of football. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, that's exactly what they are. And we've turned from being the nicest team in the world, you know, come and get your free points. Yeah, to uh, being a bunch of nasty bastards. And do you know what? You know, like in, in, in the, I remember I remember seeing this really good bit of VT, and I think it was Sky Sports that did it. Um, just <laughs> bastards. Having, having, yeah, but it was. <laughs> It was uh, it was a uh, it was a, bl- a low trailing a relegation battle game towards the end of the season. I think it was like when like, Everton were were down at the bottom end of things, and yeah. uh, well, as they currently are at yeah, the moment, actually. Very true. Um, but um, but yeah, and 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 they it was like Everton v v someone like QPR or something like that, and it was like it's tough at the top, and then it had <laughs> had a couple of shots of like you know like like fancy Dan players yeah, strolling yeah, around yeah. and stuff like that, but it's even tougher at the bottom, <laughs> and then it had like you know all these shots of like tackles you know like flying, flying in, in and like crunching tackles, <laughs> yeah. and, but you know but but actually. Reading have been playing catch up for best part of what three three seasons yeah, now. Yeah. Um, you cut you. Sometimes you just got to be the um the unpleasant team that no people don't like to play against. It's funny that what I find interesting though is that you can just have a few training sessions and and change like that. Yeah. You know that's what I find surprising because you know players that you you didn't really expect. Getting stuck in and um, getting wound up, and it's like it's like they've really been wound up. You yeah, know, yeah. it's like the manager been fucking poking them with a the stick before the game. Come on, fucking wind yourself up. And it's really interesting because Matt Miazga, who I think is a very good defender, was fantastic for us last season, 
uh, has come back into the team after a fairly extended spell of injury, and we were definitely missing him. And he's come back, and he comes back into the team. It's like he's, he's it's like his evil twin, you know. <laughs> he's just come back, and now he's just winding players up. He nearly got sent off against QPR for swinging an arm. He's like just become a sort of really angry man. I love, I love that. So I'm um, just, just it's, as, as a slight aside. Um, James Constable um, is one of the nicest guys in the world, and I, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to to be to be, you know. You know, kind of friendly enough with him to, yeah. to, to to know that, and and he is a genuinely really nice guy on the football pitch. Absolute fucking animal. He's in <laughs> yeah. the ref's ear all the time. Yeah, he's yeah, effing yeah. him blinded. He's all like, yeah. It's what it it's takes. It's completely seems. different. And I was we um uh, on the the radio show I do on Tuesday night on BBC Radio Oxford. We had a chap called Peter Folian who uh, is a Oxford United legend from back in the late seventies yeah. and early eighties and stuff. Um, played like nine, no, scored ninety goals I think mm. for Oxford over his career for a very very long career um but he was talking about Gary Briggs. Now, Gary Briggs is a famed uh, centre-half for Oxford United. Gary Briggs, Malcolm Shot, the two guys in the kind of centre of defence in the middle of the 80s when Oxford were in the top flight, winning yeah. the, the League Cup and stuff. And he, they, and both of them, but particularly Gary Briggs, absolute thugs. <laughs> like, they would, just ki- they would just kick strikers <laughs> left, right and centre, up and down across the, pa- yeah. the, the, the pitch all the time. And um, Peter Foley was saying, but he's the loveliest guy in the <laughs> whole world. He's saying he's the loveliest guy in the whole world, and um, the second he crosses the white line, he turns into a, a yeah. complete monster. And he says he it actually kind of scared him. Um, a quick plug: if anybody wants to go to the BBC BBC Sounds app and look for Sports Night with Andrew Self, go back and have a listen to that. Nice. If you're an Oxford United fan, that that whole section with Peter Foley was great. It was a really good interview. Sorry, right. carry on. No, it's, it is it is really interesting because I think there's. You know, there's 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 a couple of things, aren't there? There's the players' sort of natural state, yeah, which is how they feel comfortable, and that's mm-hmm. how they are. You get some players that are like that seem emotionless, you know, and sometimes yeah. they're really skillful and they're flary with their play, but they're emotionless, like in their actions. I always I always think it's funny. Uh, you see it. You, I remember seeing it with Carnage. Remember Carnage uh, for yeah, Arsenal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like most amazing player, but half the time he looked like he didn't give a shit. Yeah, you know, and then he just come to life. And so you've got this thing where you've got players that have a certain attitude that they bring onto the pitch. But I also wonder, like, how much is instilled in them in training and pre-match and stuff, and and whether you can change the mentality of a player who's like nice as pie into somebody that's not. I just don't know. It's, I'm it's, sure there are certain players that you can't do that with. It's in, it's I mean it's interesting because because I and I've I've had lots of debates in kind of uh, about this and I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine earlier on in the season, um, and we were talking about you know the the, ma- the manager needs to get them up for the fight yeah. a bit more they're not up for the fight we need and he and, and he was actually saying no it's all about the players the players have got to take responsibility he says once you've walked over the that white line the the managers kind of role in responsibility has ended and it's up to the players and now you know with my very limited you know history of playing playing the game at an extraordinarily low level um the don't do yourself a disservice no no an extraordinarily (laughs) low level um is that I, I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I must have turned, but I don't remember listening that hard to what I was. Maybe that's why I'm sat here talking about football now. Maybe I don't know. But, 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 and and, and I remember talking to my brother about this years ago, and he used to play kind of like the Hellenic leagues and stuff. Um, and he was saying, nah, "Just go and go and play, don't you? Just yeah, go and play your natural game." Yeah. But I have then seen, you know, you've seen a manager come in 
and suddenly play change exactly. completely. It has changed. to be, especially at like you know at a high level. Yeah. So in football league level, you have they have to be reacting to that uh, and to see like this chalk and cheese difference between the team style. It's 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 it's, it's almost unbelievable, yeah. but it's really funny because we've been through like we had. And when we had Yapstam, they were trying to play passing football, but it was just too slow. Yeah. And we had one season where we just managed to get everything clicking. Really, that's because Danny Williams was in midfield and he was bloody brilliant, uh, and a couple of other like key players. But it didn't work. Really, we got lucky that season that we got some good results. But it was just too ponderous. It was ponderous. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So it was like, oh, I want to play. I mean, I want to play passing football. Well, it's easy when you pass between two centre backs. That is exactly you know? how I expect a Yap Stam <laughs> team yeah, to exactly. play. <laughs> yeah, and that, that was it. And then, and he was, you know, he's one of those managers that everyone was like, is a bit of a fraud because he comes, he comes along, he looks like he's got a style, but he doesn't really. No, no. It's pass it around the back to get the percentages up, and then woof it down the field anyway. <laughs> And then we had, and then we had Clement, who literally had no style whatsoever. Yeah, I don't think he did any tactics. He was just like, "I'm going to pick eleven players, off your pop." Yeah, to the point I remember one amazing game where he made like a double sub, and like five minutes after the sub, there were like two or three players signalling the bench, going, "Where, where am I? <laughs> what, where am I supposed to go?" And then he's just holding up different numbers of fingers to people. And I was like, "Fucking hell!" And that was the moment everyone in the ground was like, "Oh my god!" I remember you saying at that point, "It was one of the players actually just turned around and shouted." What? <laughs> yeah, he's like he literally didn't know where he was supposed to be standing. I and mean, that's that's not a great situation. That's to be very in. very poor. And then Gomez, who who had a very very specific style, wanted to play a certain type of football, but I don't think realised quite how competitive the championship would be and how physical it would be. So I think the players got a little bit like, well, we we passed the ball now. We don't need to get involved in that nonsense because yeah. we play football, you know, which they were obviously brought down to earth very quickly with that. And then all of a sudden, this new guy comes in and he is none of those things. So he wants to battle, you know. Yeah. His style is I'm going to put people in areas, we're going to challenge for every single ball, we're going to work harder than the opposition and we're going to force errors and we're going to make, you know. But the nice thing is that on top of that, he said and when we when we play, we're going to play, but we're going to create an environment that allows us to then play. Sure. So sure. when you've got skillful players, you just create an environment that when those players get the opportunity, they can actually do something. Yeah. And it's quite it's, it's good. I don't like watching it. It's fucking horrible, to yeah. be honest, to watch. Needs uh, must, though, in the situation yeah. you're in at the moment. Yeah, so we had, you know, we'd lost four games in a row, and now we, we've got four points from two games yeah. against two decent teams. So I think it's, that, that it's not bad. That change, that change of kind of the kind of change of style things. A couple of recent examples or semi-recent examples um, with Oxford. One, one which I alluded to, which was Pep Clotet, which I've gone into a lot of detail about before in previous episodes. But it's just that thing where he was trying to play a much more technical game of football than the quality of play, play, players yeah. he had were, were able to do. And I think that sounds sort of similar to to, to what maybe you had with Gomez at, at Reading. Um, but but. One, one one thing that that pops into my my mind a while back was so um, uh, previous Oxford United manager Ian Atkins um, who I mean this was kind of back at the start of the 
the, the noughties, um, which was actually when I first started going on a regular basis. Yeah. So I first started going on a regular basis in 2001, which is the first season at the Sam Stadium. And um, with, it was fucking ugly. I mean, it was horrible, horrible football. Yeah. We just launch it long um, to the big man up front. And we had we had some we had five in, in the back. In an area. Well, basically, we had big three big centre halves who were just there to lock lock it down. Um, and we didn't even have rangy wing uh, like f- uh, wing backs yeah, either. Yeah, we had yeah. one wing back who could go forward, Matty Robinson, but that was about it. But anyway, so it's this really ugly football bypass the midfield all the time, which is a shame because that's where people like Dean Whitehead and, all, and Chris Hackett and all yeah. our talented midfielders actually were. All of our talented players were there. But anyway, we bypassed all of those. Really, really ugly. He had a falling out with Kassam, who was still chairman at that time, um, because he wouldn't sign. Sorry, because Kassam wouldn't give him more than a year, a year by year by year contract. Gotcha. Um, okay. He wouldn't give anybody longer than <coughs> to the end of the season, which is a fucking terrible way Ridiculous. to run a football club. Yeah. Um, but um, so he left um, and we got Graham Ricks in. Um, the famous and, Graham the fame, in- Infamous. The f- infamous, I think, is fair. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fair. Um, um, convicted sex offender, yes, Graham exactly. Ricks. Um, and he uh, he was, at the time, I don't think sure he's quite it anymore, but he was, at the time, statistically the worst football manager <laughs> that Oxford United ever, ever had. <laughs> Fucking dreadful. But yeah. but he'd gone in. So this, 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 this side that had been built up with cloggers and lumpers and yeah. kind of <clears throat> these big, yeah. brutish centre-halves like, like Andy Crosby and Matt Bound. Um, and... and um, Graham Ricks decided oh, I'm going to get these guys playing football and so he came in midway through the season and, and suddenly the, these players who all they know how to do is head it elbow people and launch the ball long were suddenly being asked to play cultured football out of defence yeah, oh and it was and, and, and it was it was just instant change the yeah. next the next game instantly changed the game of football and it was so bad car crash it was car absolute crash car football. crash yeah. because you know it was it was like everybody was a fish out of water it was utterly yeah, utterly ridiculous watch, the most bizarre thing i've ever seen um, but yeah, so and, and and I like that kind of like yes, what, yeah, that's yeah. that that's that sudden change. It's really it's how really much influence a manager has. And you know what I think? What I think influenced it in in in, in many cases this season is that the, last season and this season teams have been successful in the championship playing all different styles of football. There's no one route to success, you know. And you can play like Wolves or you can play like Leeds. You can play like Fulham. But you need to have very, very good play. You basically need to have a Premiership team in the Championship, and yeah. then you play that football. And everyone's like, "Oh, well, why aren't you playing football like like fucking Leeds?" Well, like, yeah, because you haven't got the ridiculous amount of money and the, no. and, the, and the squad that Leeds have. It's just not possible. And I think coming and then the worst part is that you lose to those teams. But then you come up against a really organised Middlesbrough team that just has a great long throw guy and a couple <laughs> of massive big bastards, and they beat you because they play really nasty fucking percentage football. And so it must be it's it's hard to watch when your style doesn't you know get you yeah. to where you need to go against any team in yeah, the yeah. league. So I think now it feels like what uh, Martin Bowen is going to go for is basically I've got a group of players. I know that there's a fair bit of talent in there, but I'm going to approach each game. I'm going to work out what the opposition are going to do, and I'm just going to, I'm going to directly try and nullify what they can do. Yeah. You know, which is fair enough, and it it makes for ugly stuff. 
Uh, but and, it, and it's that's that's fine when you're at the bottom of the table, right? Yeah. And you've got a fight on your hands. That that's absolutely fine. What's the, what's the I mean, is what's the long term strategy there? Though? Well, I the, mean, the frustration is that we play Preston uh, and they play horrible stuff, yeah. and they're third in the league. Yeah. Absolutely horrible stuff. And Middlesbrough last season, again, they played disgusting football, but they're towards the top of the league. It doesn't have any bearing on whether you're winning games or not, the quality of football you play. It's how many, you know, it's whether you can score more goals than the opposition. I guess then there's the other question then is is and and I don't I don't know enough about the Reading fan base to to, to say otherwise, but but what what uh what what level of tolerance do you think Reading fans will have for that level of, for that quality of football? Will will the results ultimately matter more than the the quality of football, or will Reading fans who <laughs> see you seventh in the table but like playing clogging, ugly, horrible football, and will they it's, be unhappy with that? It's a it's a it's a good question. If you came to the Madstad today, and this is probably true of most football crowns, the average age is very old. Yeah, it's a, it's it's extremely old, and so I think they'll be well happy because they're comfortable with this type of football. So yeah, I think yeah. they will actually like it. What what most fans seem to want to see is players giving it their all, getting stuck in and getting results, right? And I yeah. think uh, f- for me, I was really enjoying the Jose Gomez thing because I was it was an it was enjoyable experiment to see how the team could play given, you know, given the skill set they've got. Can they pass the ball? Can they keep possession? Can they break through defenses? And sometimes they're good. And and for me that was really good and what you're doing there is you're setting up for a much lo- like you said, a much longer term thing where you your club has a playing style. So your team always, you know, your club likes to have an identity, but having an identity on the pitch as well is another great step. And not many yeah. teams, I don't think, you know, really truly have a, a really positive, uh, certainly, you know, below the Premier League, have that really positive on-pitch persona as well as, as, as their club persona. And so you've got the feeling that with Gomez, we were going to get that. And for me, it's frustrating because it feels like we've gone so far down that road and that players had started to get used to that style of play. And when we when it did click, it was great to watch. Really good stuff. And then now that's gone. Yeah. You just throw it out. And it's it's not bad because at the end of the day, it's a result you know, it's a results business. You have to win games and, and that's what counts. And and you and that's that, how people like Tony Mowbray and uh and, and uh, Ian Holloway and all these guys stay in jobs because yeah. You would. You That's would. What they do. You would rather be in the championship, mid-table in the championship, playing cloggy, lumpy football, yeah. um, than you would be mid-table in League One, playing delightful, I'm sure. striking around yeah, football. I'm sure. Because, and and you know, in in the crowds at the Medeski Stadium, you know, it would 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 suffer greatly. <laughs> yeah, if, absolutely. If you dropped out yeah. of uh, out of the championship. That's what it comes to, because because you'll still fill the ground. If we've got a chance of beating. Uh, of beating Leeds when they come to town because we're playing, you know, we're winning games. Fucking loads of people will come. Yeah, Doesn't yeah. matter what the football is. The um, yeah, I mean, but but having said that, having said that, if you if you're winning games and playing that level of football, the crowds are even oh, higher. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you talk about kind of that kind of identity in that kind <clears> of <throat> that that that. And it's something. It's exactly what we had under under Michael Appleton yes. in the promotion yeah, yeah. season yeah. out of the out of the League Two into League One. Um, it was a, and it's, it's 
it made us the darlings of the uh, of the broadsheet yeah. sports columns. We were we were we were, we had like special features in all of yeah. the kind of broadsheets and about this philosophy of this kind it's of great. like young new manager and a club that's turning things around and doing progressive new different things. Yeah. Um, and it, and it was, and that's why that season I, is going to be difficult to to surpass for 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 anybody. Just because everything was 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 going in the right yes. direction yeah, all yeah. at the same time, very rarely um, happens. Very rarely happens, and you'll have good seasons on the pitch, but that might be you know punctuated by a whole bunch of crap off the pitch that kind of maybe kind well, of well, that's it because because we like we were getting very frustrated. It still happens today. Every game we play, you look at the report and it says it says you know. Uh, after 20, 25 minutes, it would have been hard to uh, tell which team was third in the league and which was 21st. Yeah. And we get that yeah. every fucking week. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't help us get any further up the table, does it? doesn't matter a jot. It doesn't no. matter a jot. It's very frustrating. So who knows? But uh, but also and also you can also create an identity for yourself for that for the 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 plucky <coughs> the plucky yeah. uh, kind of medium small championship team who boots the shit out of everyone yeah. and has suddenly become this kind of like dogs of war kind of yeah. tour de force, you know, where they, they these guys who battle their way right up to the top, you know. So I think you know you can you can do those things. Um, I I personally I will always I will always ultimately take results over yeah. over over the style of football if you had to choose yeah. purely on the basis that the reason the primary reason I'm at football right is for. Is for those moments where you win. There's those mo- those those moments of sheer joy and elation when you yes. score, uh, when the tension builds up in that sudden release, and and when exactly. you, and when you win games at the last minute, which is all the reasons why I hate VAR. But we'll get, exactly, we won't talk yeah. about that. Um, and and so that's what I love about football. I'm not just there to be entertained for ninety minutes. Exactly. That's, that's, and that was perfectly encompassed at our game against Preston when the new manager came in. He came in. Everyone was like. What's he gonna play? <laughs> Ten minutes in, fucking shit. <laughs> and then it, it was clear that we were even. Pre- Preston third in the league, Reading twentieth. But the teams were very, very similar. Similar style, similar everything. And there was no clear better side. Yeah. And then we win the game in the ninety fourth minute with with Matt Miazga back from injury. Everyone's super happy. He scores a goal. Everyone goes fucking bananas. And all of a sudden, you know, all sins are forgiven. Yeah, yeah. Everything's yeah. gone. And that's football, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it but is. That, but it's great. It's great as well because you do get... And it's an unexpected moment as well. Like, we've had a lot of those because we've been, you know, it's struggling. And it, it, is, it is fun, you know? And it is fun to be up and down and, and, and doing all that stuff and changing manager, new styles coming in, new players coming in. It is exciting, but at the end of the day, you can't get fucking relegated. Yeah, and, and, and that's one of the reasons why I think... Um, we, we've, we've spoken about this before, and I don't know if we've spoken about it on the podcast before, but I'm not sure that's why I wouldn't want to be a supporter of like a, a, a Man U or a Man... Well, Man City, Man U is shit these days, but uh, a Man City or a, or a club that just fucking always wins. Yeah. There's, there's literally no joy. In, well, no, because the in, only in, thing is disappointment. Yeah, That's exactly. the only thing available to you. Yeah, because... And, and yet when you when you support a club for whom... Good stuff just doesn't tend to happen. Um, seasons like 2015-16 for Oxford felt so much better. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even win the league that season, no. you know. But but it was it was the the greatest season that I have yeah. watched from kind of start to vision, finished by an absolute an absolute distance. And the joy 
the joy I got from that, following years and years of watching absolute dog shit against teams like Hayes and Yedding, there's no yes. disrespect to them whatsoever. Got in the cup. But uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, TV. Yeah. Um, and so, so, with no disrespect for them, we were playing them on the level, yeah. and and yeah. and going and getting get them doing the double over us for Christ's sake. <laughs> yes. And 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 it's. Um, Coming you kind back, of feel like you've beating earned, West Ham. You feel like you've earned it, you know. You have, so yeah. season like 2015-16, we felt like we earned that, and and it felt all the better for having been through the crap and the yes. shit and the mire. And so similar for Reading this season, you know, the your last minute winners and and all of those kinds of things. Those moments make the dreary drudgery in the 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 kind of pointless, almost yeah. like misery that you. Well, put some games through, you go to, it makes it worth it. Yeah, some games you go to, like last season, having so many last-minute wins and, and goals that basically kept in the, in the league was as was as exciting as probably winning the league, yeah, you know, yeah, because it, it almost meant more in yeah. a way. And then, as it, and then this season, there was one game I, I was full of cold. <laughs> I felt like absolute shit. We knew the manager was close to getting sacked, and we had Fulham at home on on the TV under the lights of a Tuesday evening, and I we we sort of like dragged ourselves up there, and then John Smith got sent off after ten minutes, and it was just like <laughs> oh for fuck's sake! And I really wanted to go at half time. I really wanted to go. And John was like, "No, come on, we got." And we stayed seventy five minutes, four nil. Uh, missed, but we did miss a, a, a great consolation goal. But it was just one of those things. And then you're so down after that, and you're like, "Oh for fuck's sake!" You know, like you go to give your support, and you sometimes feel like the club gives you nothing back. You know. And so that's why it's nice to have those turnaround moments where all of a sudden things start to go in your favour. We got the win against Preston and then we got some ridiculously terrible refereeing decisions in our favour. And again, that plays into this whole nasty club thing because it's like we never get decisions in our favour, <laughs> ever. And then we had two or three in one match. And so all of a sudden you think, well, maybe it's us. You know, maybe it's us. Maybe it's our mentality. Maybe it's the way we, we go out there and handle ourselves that makes it appear that the referee's giving decisions the wrong way. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. It's 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 really interesting. It's really interesting. And I and and I and I think there is um yeah there, there's there's joy to be had in all kind in all styles of football. I think the one the one worry that I would have and again this is this is coming from an Oxford perspective and in Oxford are a different club but um we have a we have a core support group of around five thousand. And that that that's five thousand will stay with Oxford regardless of how low we drop sure. or how high we go. Um, Oxford very lucky in that we have a big pool of a big big huge pool of of kind of yeah, fringe fans. Yeah. So in in so fringe fans, some of whom will come to one a season, which will be Boxing Day, or they'll make the effort to come to if we get to Wembley. Um, and then a couple will do three or four games a season. A couple will do half a dozen. A couple will do yeah. maybe ten. So. And, and, and we've got a big pool of kind of floating fans. Um, and if we're winning games, but the football is dog shit, they won't come. Yeah. And that's the biggest issue for Oxford, which is why I think a club the size of Oxford, um, with with the kind of fan base Oxford has, really, really needs to be playing, you know, pretty yeah. decent football yeah. as well as winning, because that because that will get yeah. that will get. M- an extra thousand on the gate if you're winning yeah. and playing nice football. And, if, I, and you know, if there's long-term plans to move to another stadium again, you want to be able to justify you're going to be able to get the numbers through the gate as well, right? Yeah, you yeah, need absolutely. To be able to say, if we do this, 
we're going to well, get I mean, people I, coming. I don't, I don't think any any new stadium we get, I don't think it's going to be a, a great deal bigger than what we have at the moment. I mean, sure, but you've got to get bums in seats. Significantly right? bigger than what, than, yeah. than we need. Or is it? But we're, again, in in this demonstrates it is that we it's that ground is like. Thirty percent to forty percent full yeah. every week, yeah. um, but every so often we could we could sell it out twice yeah. over, yeah. and that's the yeah. biggest issue for Oxford United. It's logistically a nightmare. Um, I, I, I I'm getting the sense that I'm getting the sense that there's going to be some movement on the stadium thing. So there's going to have to be. Yeah, it's going to have to be because our lease expires at the Sam Stadium. Well, in a few years, so, hold on to that because yeah. we don't want to get into that now. We'll, we'll, we'll never finish. I haven't got anything else to say. I <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure, Andy. As yeah, always, yeah, it really has. Um, remember this time, guys. You can catch us on uh, Thamesman underscore uh, OUFC, Thamesman underscore Royal. Uh, and that's that's the new home of the Thamesman podcast. Really exciting. It is exciting. Well, I hope everybody's enjoyed the new format. Please find us on Twitter, send us a message, uh, and we will catch you next time on the Thamesman.